0: Good enough theater people, and welcome to Your Program is Your Ticket. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. Your Program is Your Ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, Your Program is Your Ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater in smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. My guests on tonight's show are writer-director Melissa Moschito, Actor, Mariah Frieda, and dramaturg Lindy Rosario, from the Anthropologist Theater Company's brilliant play, Artemisia's Intent. It's so, so good. Um, They have several upcoming performances, including a one-night-only performance this coming Thursday, July 26, and a future run in Providence, Rhode Island. Now, if Artemisia's intent sounds familiar here on Your Program is Your Ticket, it's because I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Melissa and Mariah on the podcast as part of my 2018 New York Frigid Fest series earlier in the year. And then I got to see the show, and wow, was I impressed. Such amazing writing, acting, tech, everything. It was so, 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 so good. Um, now you also may recognize Melissa from the Your Program is Your Ticket, Me Too show that we did a while back. Uh, that was a great success, and she's wonderful on that show, in addition to the other six ladies who did such a marvelous job. Now, here's a description of Artemisia's Intent, taken directly from the Anthropologist website. Winner of Best Solo Drama at the Frigid Festival in 2018, yeah, I kept it in, they deserve it. Artemisia's Intent delivers a captivating physical performance to unearth the life, work, and words of 17th-century painter Artemisia Dentaleschi. Inspired by every pro- proclamation of Me Too, the Me Too movement, um, the anthropologists craft a startling portrait of a woman caught at the intersection of power, assault, and art. Doesn't that sound great? It's so excellent, and it's told on so many different intriguing levels, which I do want to talk about because um, Melissa does a great job writing, like, in, I think, four different time planes. It's, it's awesome. Um, Now before we bring the ladies on I do want to tell you that they are offering up a terrific promotion on today's show Especially for our listeners on today's show The Anthropologists are going to be giving away two tickets To a one night only performance of Artemisia's Intent on Thursday, July 26th You do not want to miss this show before it heads to the Providence Fringe Festival In Providence, Rhode Island How cool is that? Um, It will be playing in New York City at the East Village Stalwart, The Crane I love that theater at 85 East 4th Street, Thursday, July 26th at 7.30 p.m. To win two tickets, join the conversation online. After you listen to our interview with the creative team, leave a comment on their Facebook post of this episode. They'll post the iTunes and SoundCloud SoundCloud links for your listening pleasure. And tell them what intrigued you or surprised you during the interview with The Anthropologist. The lucky winner will be chosen at random by Monday, July 23rd, 2018 at 10 o'clock a.m. How awesome is that? Free tickets to a marvelous show. But you should still go on and buy tickets, too. You know, always go on and buy tickets. Support theater. Please, please, please. Now, before I go any further, let's go ahead and bring these ladies on. Hello, creative team of Artemisia's Intent, and welcome to your program is your ticket.
1: Hello. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us. I've missed you. I know. Oh, thank you.
0: I have. I've missed you. And, and, Lindy, it's nice to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you. Ah. But it's nice that we get to hear
3: your voice ah. with every, the release of every new podcast. I've really been enjoying them.
0: How do you not love this lady right here? Oh my gosh, she's, she's such a great supporter of your program, Is Your Ticket. And I have to reiterate one more time, you were so wonderful on the Me Too episode. Oh,
3: thank you. Everyone thank you should, for hosting that.
0: It was my pleasure. Everyone should go back and listen to to uh, the show. I think it bears um, a relation to Artemisia's intent. Oh,
3: for sure. Because
0: there are so many themes um, that, that you touch on in Artemisia's intent mm-hmm. that... Um, you ladies brought about when we were having the discussion it's it's
3: well you pulled together just such a fantastic panel of of artists for that you know I when you invited me of course I wanted to be a part of it and then I, I didn't know anybody else who was going to be in the room but, but instantly like there was such a connection and I think you know I definitely learned something from everyone else that was there and sort of you know Rebolstered my uh, Belief in In this show And what we're Trying to talk about So I'm really excited That we're We're gonna get to Share it with more people
0: Well terrific I throw it all back To the ladies Who were in the panel Because they were brave And inspiring mm-hmm. And um, it was just It was a, a really uh, Great wonderful moment And I certainly learned a lot A lot right. that um, I didn't realize That um, was kind of horrific And I think we came up With some nice solutions too. Or Attempts at solutions as long as people do them and make Mm -hmm. them make them happen Okay, before we uh, go into more about Artemisia's intent um, Let's have you all introduce yourselves and give us a summary of your background Lindy since you're new. We'll start with you
2: Uh, Hi, I'm Lindy Rosario. I am a dramaturg. I uh, Has been working with the anthropologists for two Two years years. two and a half 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 years. years now um, I do a lot of devised work with them, and I consider myself an advocate for dramaturgs in the room and ensemble creation as a whole.
0: Excellent. That's 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 a great mission. Awesome, <laughs> Melissa.
3: Great. Hey, I'm Melissa Machido. I am the founding artistic director of the Anthropologists. Uh, excited to note that we are celebrating our tenth year, uh, and I'm also a director and
1: writer. Hi, I'm Mariah Frida. I'm um, at the Anthropologist in an open call in 2012 for the show Mahala they were doing, and I've been working with them ever since. I'm primarily an actor, but um, I mostly do devised collaborative work. So, also a theater maker by trade.
0: I love it. That's that begs like a few more questions. What is devised? collaborative theater work how would you describe
2: Ooh, that oh, the yes.
1: question of the <laughs> year <Right. laughs> yeah well I would because it can mean a lot of different methods for a lot of different groups I the short answer I give is when everybody comes into a room and you make the play from scratch together wow that's my short answer anyone have a long answer <laughs> well I would say for, for the anthropologist's Specifically,
3: it's really about, um, as a group, engaging with source material So, for, and, and research. For every project that we do, we are always bringing in either found text or cultural artifacts, be it paintings or pieces of music or newspaper articles, photographs. Uh, So about coming together, engaging with that material in the room. And also for us, especially over the past couple of years, we've really tried to move towards a very horizontal way of working. So that especially during this first uh, investigative phase, you know, we invite Lindy to sort of take off her dramaturg hat, if you will, and Mariah to take off her performer hat, and, and, and everyone sort of put their primary discipline to the side, so that we can all be creators on, on an equal plane, so uh, uh, that's especially true of the creative process for this show, but dramaturg can be performer, set designer can be dramaturg, actor can be set designer, director can be Performer, um, we're really trying to expand how we view co collaboration in that in that way.
0: That's great um, because, like, I, I'm a writer in addition to doing this show, and I wrote a musical that uh, ran in Chicago earlier this year. And I remember when I was in the rehearsal room, it was like, I'm there to solve a writing issue, mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, and anything else I really, I didn't say anything about. Um, so, which is, which is a little frustrating as a writer, I think, sometimes because of the fact that um, you know exactly what you've envisioned. Um, so that's, that's really nice, and it um, with, with no shade to the production of what I just did, it was a, it was a tough show, but um, is, that seems like it's a bit of a removal of the ego. You take the ego oh, out yeah. of it.
3: Yeah, I, well, I mean, I would say that we we do um, try to hold a lot of uh, joyful funerals. I did not coin that phrase. I forget who said that, but it's just such a lovely thing where, you know, it's like we're putting out ideas and we want everyone to be passionate about the ideas we're putting out. And then sometimes you're like, oh, that's that actually belongs to another show. Or, oh, such a great idea. It's not working in this context. Uh, and certainly for creative problem-solving it's just so great to have everybody's heads in the room thinking together. Eventually, once we're going into our like playwriting, like workshopping phase or into production, then we do have to assume the mantle of the you know official role within the production. Right. And there are times then when we're saying, okay mariah, you're focusing on performing, especially for this show because this was all about you know that, that was a huge endeavor for Mariah um since this is a solo show, but it's, it was
0: it 's a monster part, it really is yeah. it's a lot yeah uh,
3: and and it was exciting and challenging in the best of ways, I think to say, okay, so this was our first solo show ever for the anthropologist it wasn't really something that I ever envisioned when i you know, when we first started the company 10 years ago because it was all about creating ensemble-devised work. So what does that mean to create ensemble-devised work that's a solo show? And we had a team of five incredible women who came together to to do just that. So there definitely was, like, a lot of ego that had to be taken out of the room. I mean, I think that we just sort of worked that way naturally. Not not trying to say anyone came in with ego. <laughs> um...
0: Well, it's yeah. very different, and uh, I, I I know that you all have really strong theater backgrounds, and you've been in various productions, so that was, I would assume, a different way of working, mm-hmm. and um, from, I interview a lot of people who are sort of really uh, starting to work like that. Mm-hmm. It's good, it's yeah. it's nice, and as long as you know when it's time to, like you said, assume your official role, um, then that's, I think it's great. And I love happy funerals. That's like a great epilogue, yeah. <laughs> epilogue to kill your darlings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well,
3: and you know, that's exactly what we did when we got back into the rehearsal room after our Frigid run, which, you know, we were so thrilled with the audiences that we uh, were able to share the show with at Frigid. Um, and they were just, it was an amazing home to bring this show to life in and, so we were excited about the reception, and then when we said, okay, we have something here. This is a story that we need to keep telling. Where, where else can we take it? So we started applying to different fringe festivals. Uh, so when we got into Providence, we said, okay, we're we're going to do it. And Erez from Horse Trade, from Frigid, said... Yeah, come on back. We'll do a send off show. Uh, Perez is awesome. Oh, he's yeah, amazing. He's, he's just he been a, cool a, a huge, huge support for us and for so many artists, and just you know, creating a home for really exciting, uh, unique stuff to happen. Uh, thanks to we have we just concluded a residency at Abrams Art Center down on Grand Street in Lower East Side, which was a huge gift. Uh, it was It was nice to start our residency by delving into this show and and come back and and finish it a little bit of a full circle moment, but yeah, it was nice to go back into rehearsal there and say okay yeah we 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 created a really compelling show in a short period of time because this was the fastest we had ever put a show together. Um, what do we need to fix? Let's go back in there like what why did we make this decision? oh because it was tech that day, and we had to freeze the show. Sure, you know uh, the performance was in two days, and Mariah needed to have a you know frozen script. <laughs> Why not?
0: Yeah. Um, That's important. Yeah,
3: totally. I mean, yeah, we Mariah was kind of flying by the seat of her pants, and yeah, it, it, you you embraced that. You really did. Um, so it was really awesome to go back in the room and say and, and shape things, and we did make some some cuts. And changes to the script, all just to to really tighten things up and and further serve
1: the message of the I kinda feel something that was pretty remarkable was that the audience feedback and what we were feeling was all really on the same page with as far as the changes we made. I I felt like we you know, the the things that we ended up having to take out or tweak we were all really Mm -hmm. committed to. It 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 felt clear
3: and Yeah, we all shared our the feedback that we had received from the audience during our Frigid Run and and shared that with the room. It was like, okay, well, how can we address that question, Mark? You know, we, our work thrives on questions, but we want to ask questions of the audience about like, you know, why is the world constructed in this way and what can we do about it? Not, wait a minute, did Artemisia die at the end of the show? Or, you know, we're like, oh, wait, the that moment that we thought was so powerful actually read so differently to the audience, so it was really about going in and making those kind of changes to clarify and strengthen the storytelling, so that we can.
0: Well, you never know. I mean, you never know until you get it in front of the audience. Uh, yeah. And then um, the, uh, the things that there are certain things where, like, if you wrote it to be funny, you'll hear crickets. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> yeah. if you wrote something to be dramatic, and it, it turns out to be hilarious, and everyone's ah. laughing, and you're—I mean, it, it can be quite baffling. It really, really can, and. Um, Mariah, when you were on stage, were you listening for that? I mean, you give a, like, a speeding train of a performance. Not that it's, like, like done in, in fast motion. It's just, it's, it's why, I mean, you're you playing. Cover a lot of, it covers a lot of ground in 60 minutes. Exactly. It. exactly. Um, what's it like? I mean, what, what are you feeling when you're up there? Is it, uh, is it in you now, and it's just easy? So you, emo- tell me about that.
1: For me, I. And I don't know if this is a rare or not, but I love being able to look audience members in the eye. Like I, I love not having that fourth wall. So to have a show where I had permission to address people in the audience was such a gift. So sure. of course I'm feeding off of the people in the audience, and certainly show to show, depending on who was in that front row. Um, presented challenges or gifts for instance my father was in the front row for one of the shows which (laughs) i thought would be a disaster but it was actually um pretty amazing he was a wonderful audience member so um it it definitely allows the show especially being up there by myself it allows the show to live each night in a different way which is always exciting for an actor right um so the audience becomes another character in the show and i always find that really exciting
0: now um My husband and David and I wrote a play called "At the Flash, and it's a one-person show that takes place over five decades in a gay bar, and it shifts back and forth about, I don't know, 60 times throughout the the play. He he performs it himself. Now, technically, he has a couple of strategies or a handful of strategies throughout the show. Like if he goes up on a line, Mm -hmm. he knows in certain segments where he can just have the character take a pause
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and uh, get back you know, get the train back on track, if you will. Um, He's got... He's been doing it for a long time, Mm -hmm. though. Um, He knows when he could take, like, a little break, um, and it it won't look like he's doing that. Did you develop any of those strategies for the sake of your performance?
1: Well, I definitely... Definitely our first... (laughs) I wouldn't say I went in with strategies, but (laughs) our first show we had a couple of like technical things that technical were difficulties te- technical difficulties i definitely went up on a line and i just let artemisia forget things you know i like artemisia forgot a line and she just like yelled at melissa <laughs> to know, you know where what what was i talking about you know or um I, the light wasn't working and i was fumbling and you know that character was experiencing that in that moment, mm. so I let that Smart. be real. Because what? I, why fight it? Why yeah. fight it? It's all happening, and of course, after the show, I was like, "Oh my god, what a disaster!" And I had more than one person come up to me and be like, "That moment when the light got messed up was my favorite part." Sure. So it's, yeah. it's, I it's like <laughs> the <a> clip light, <laughs> but That's I mean, like, it made it it's real. Real tension on stage. So well, I think that part of it too was just see, seeing.
3: A, a, a woman from the 1600s like struggling with modern lighting was yeah. kind of appealing. Uh, Sorry, we have cut that light. Yeah, it's from, gone. From, for the new version. <laughs> so there are still moments for sure of Artemisia
1: struggling with uh, the present. Yeah, but there are also, just one strategy that I had been taught somewhere along the line is, you know, if you go up on the line, you don't know where you are, just stop and breathe. And usually if you give yourself two seconds with a breath, the line comes back.
0: Yeah, I think if you stay in character, the audience is usually fine yeah. with it. And and for the record, when you're in a festival here, you don't get very much tech time no. at no. all.
3: Well, and that's I think that's also where we were at. Like th- This show was, it was so fresh, obviously, when we opened on Valentine's Day in, uh, at Frigid. Um, and I think a huge concern was just, is the show going to be less than 60 minutes because frigid their schedule is really intense they're just they you know oh, yeah. they're moving along and it was like if your show goes over 60 minutes if it goes over 59 minutes and 59 seconds the lights go up and they will kick you off if you're long so we were you know understandably concerned about that but what'd you get it down to i don't remember but it was like 54. Yeah. yeah, like 54, yeah. 55. And now we've, we've done a little bit more trimming, but at the same time, like, building in those, those moments to, to breathe. I mean, that's one of the exciting things about a festival. Like, how can you tell a story as epic as 1612 um, and 2017 and the 400 years in between it in 60 minutes? Like, what a great challenge mm-hmm. that was.
0: You know, let's talk about... The structure of the play. Um, I, I recall rem- thinking that it it takes place. I want to. Well, I don't want to give away any spoilers. Okay. But it takes place in a multitude of of times with many different characters. And um, I just remember being absolutely. I thought it was thrilling the way that you're constantly going back and forth within these time frames. I'm one of those writers who likes kind of like playing with the time-space mm-hmm. continuum. I think it's cool. And I also think that with theater, as opposed to a movie where, you know, you're going and you're kind of like, they're kind of like spe- spoon-feeding you the plot, with, with theater, I think you need to give the audience a bit of a riddle
2: mm-hmm. in the
0: beginning to engage them. But what, yeah. what's going on here? Um, how did you come up with that idea for Artemisia's intent? Did it originally start as all of those various levels?
3: Well, uh, not necessarily. That that was really part of the, the creative process. And, and Wendy, you want to hop in? Well, yeah, I, th-
2: I think that was, um, that came in as part of the dramaturgy, as part of the research sharing that we all did. Mm-hmm. And something that we all found really, unfortunately very shocking, but very fascinating was how little had changed in so many of the trial transcripts of uh, a trial for an assault that happened in 1612 versus a trial for an assault that happened in 2016, the questions were almost identical. And like that was uh. something that was, extre- those lines of connection that we just kept drawing from Artemisia and her life story to all of the um, experiences and, and unfortunately a lot of the well, just to, to jump in for a yeah, yeah, second please. to back
3: up a little bit. So initially, it was January 2016 when I first heard about an, an exhibit that was happening in Rome of Artemisia's work. And I'd never heard of her as an artist, had never seen her paintings before. Then I saw them online, and, and they're so gripping and graphic graphic and dynamic and absolutely gorgeous. Um, but I had never seen them before or I didn't remember ever learning about them. So naturally, I emailed Mariah and was like, what are you doing? You know, in, to, in March, like, you want to go to Italy?
0: 18-
3: Plus. And I started researching plane tickets, and sadly, that trip did not come to fruition. But we are available to go on tour um, <laughs> right. if anyone in Italy wants us. Oh, um, that would be so. Oh awesome.
0: my gosh, that would be amazing! You <laughs> you well, take the it, show is, there. it is
3: a goal of mine to bring the show to every city in which an actual painting of Artemisia's resides. So we're going to start based in the U.S., but. We have our sights set on international. She's
0: such a producer, isn't she? Wow, that's a, <laughs> well, that's a producer well, just, talking I, right that. That's great. But I
3: want to, you know, it is thrilling to think about sharing this story, you know, beyond New York City and, and relating with different audiences. So, so we learned about her paintings and then read uh, just a snippet of her biography that as a young woman, as a, a student of her father's who was a painter, uh her father had hired a tutor to teach her perspective, like sort of landscape painting, uh, and the tutor raped her. Uh, and in a very unusual situation, it went to trial, more as a property trial, uh, not, not necessarily about the assault. Uh, and I was really kind of astounded by that and taken aback by that. Here's someone, uh, a young female artist, very early on in her career who has a relationship with an older like adult male who has control in a way over her career and her artistry because there he was a tutor he also was helping her father secure commissions uh and then to have the fortitude and strength to go on trial not only on trial and and speak in very um Graphic or or straightforward terms about what happened to her but then to be tortured on trial literally tortured to make sure that she was telling the truth was just absolutely stunning to me and then at the same time we were sort of keeping tabs on this unfolding situation between Taylor Swift and the radio DJ who um, they were in litigation over him groping her during a a photo shoot that's right so it's similar dynamic of a young female artist i mean Artemisia was uh, when this happened she was 19. when the trial happened she was 19, 19 so right. she was 16 or 17 when the assault happened Correct. so now to like look at a young musician like taylor swift who was popular at the time but here's a dj who's um you know, crossing the line, assaulting her—someone who has control over her music, where it's played, how often it's played, how all much right. radio time she's going to get—and it's very easy to be intimidated in those situations. So, when those reports started coming out with the quotes of what Taylor said at trial, it was, "Yeah, all right, come on!" Like she was not taking any of it but then to look at the translation of the transcripts from Artemisia's trial, which incredibly exist, uh, and hear that same sentiment echoed 400 years prior was, was totally stunning. So, so that was uh, the, the, the crux of wanting to create this show.
0: Now, Lindy, as dramaturg, um, I think oftentimes the dramaturgs are the ones who have to um, initially... Face the truth about what's what's going on with the, with the content of the show. You're researching. You're looking at all the history. Um, was there anything in particular that stood out to you that was absolutely shocking? Um, I mean, I know the whole entire situation is shocking, but do you have a moment that you recall where you were just like, whoa?
2: Um, I Well, you're right. All of it was shocking. Unfortunately, though, not at all surprising. Ah. However, um, but something that I did find really fascinating sort of, and you're right, as a dramaturg, you do kind of have to take a step back and see the larger... World view of everything that's happening. At the time of Artemisia's trial, I started doing some some research on how women were being treated all around the world at that time. Ah. And turns out that those were the same years that the Salem witch trials were happening. And that was something that I brought up to Melissa. I was like, well, even in a time of no social media, of no technology, where there's really very limited information across countries and, and continents, you're seeing... Uh, Assaults happening on women that are not happening in a vacuum that are all over mm-hmm. the wow. world and the disbelief of women and the way that the systems that are in place to oppress them and and restrict them and limit their communication or, or their expression agency, agency exactly um, it was happening in in this continent it was happening all over Europe it was happening in worldwide mm-hmm. to the point where you had to start recognizing that there was something happening in the collective unconscious of of the time that was fueling this cultural narrative of women are to be disbelieved ah. women are, are are to be oppressed women are to be repressed and so that was something like when i read that i started I started picturing Salem, Massachusetts. I started picturing places that I've been to and I know of and I have been to Italy and I and I I've seen a lot of these these locations where she existed and worked and, and participated as a member of society and ultimately shunned as as a member of that society. And so it really that really did sort of blow open the larger world view of what we're trying to take on. Mm-hmm. And I think that really fueled um, the scope of the project, for yeah. me yeah. specifically.
3: I, I think you know, it was five women that we were all together, aside from the three of us, there was uh, Brianna Kalich, who's a company member uh, primarily a performer, but joined this process as a divisor and co-creator and Irina Kareva, who is our visual designer. So she did costumes and set. If you were here earlier in rehearsal, you would have seen her just sort of like magically. She had like a little workshop set up over in the corner and just like all these like amazing details I adding onto the, the costumes. I felt transported. Yeah, did. she did a, a, an amazing job. But so it was the five of us together creating this. I think we all felt a very strong, I know we all felt a strong personal connection whether it was to Artemisia's story, um, her particular circumstance, or just things that we were talking about is like, what are the, what are the roles that are available to women to perform today? What are the, the roles that are available to female directors, to female artists, dramaturgs? You know, what, what's available to us in contemporary culture? That was another sort of touchstone for us. But then zooming back, to your point, Lindy, and looking at the the systems that are in place um, that that aren't personal, that are very systemic and structural. So we were already in the brainstorming process and collecting research when uh, the the Me Too movement exploded in fall of 2017. Um, so it very much informed the creative process, but. You know, one of the exciting things I think about the show is drawing that line between from 2017 to the 1600s, back to biblical times, Mm -hmm. and breaking it all down to sort of see these stories replicated over and over again. And now we're asking, okay, now what? We can see it. We should all be able to see it really clearly. Now where do we go?
0: It's wonderful discussing the philosophy behind the show. It really is. I'm, I'm so glad that we had this opportunity. We do have to wrap up, but before we do, we, we do, can you give our listeners your social media information and give us all the information on the upcoming productions of Artemisia's Intent?
3: Yeah, definitely. Well, if you are curious about getting a more detailed look at the research uh, and source material that we use to create the play, I invite you to visit our website, www.theanthropologists.com. Uh, if you go to our list of shows and click on Artemisia's Intent, you'll see on the sidebar all kinds of info, including investigate. So you can click on that and take a look at the research, the paintings that we used um, that really inspired most of the scenes and, and just dig a little bit deeper. You can visit us on Facebook and Instagram at The Anthropologists or on Twitter at Anthro. Theatre, that's Theatre with an R-E. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, and uh, of course you can see Mariah on July 26th at the Crane at 7.30 p.m. And then we're very excited to be um, taking the show on the road for the first time to the 5th Annual Providence Fringe Festival. We will be there July 31st and August 1st. So tell everyone you know who's ever been to Providence (laughs) to to please come see the show. We'll be at the Wilbury Theatre Group there. Um, So all that information is all over the internet, all over our website. And we will have another performance engagement in the future, but we haven't announced it. So you should totally go on our website and then sign up to be on our email list or become a fan of our Facebook page so you can get all the news first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Did I did I miss anything? Any other pertinent details? Mm-mm. That's it. Wow.
0: Uh, this has been a great conversation. And the show, as someone who saw it and saw an iteration of it eight months ago, um I loved it. I thought it was so amazing, thank you. and I encourage everyone to go and see this performance. And if you're in Providence, make sure you go see the run that you're doing in the uh, the Providence uh, Festival. Mm-hmm. I, it's just it's just it's so great. I was so impressed with the, with the writing and the acting, and it's amazing. So thank you. thank you for being with us. And I feel weird giving these titles because I feel like I should say. You all do everything. Um, So thank you, for. but I will give the title for being with us. Writer-director, Melissa Moschito. Actor, Mariah Frieda. And dramaturg, Lindy Rosario. From the anthropologist, Artemisia's Intent. And break legs, break figurative legs. I think it's just going to be so wonderful. And I know that this is just the second phase of the beginning. Let's just call it that. Love it, Of your show. It's just, just, just fabulous. Thank you. Well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung and the vows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Once again, thanks a big thanks to the creative team of Artemisia's Intent. They were sensational. And again, don't forget to go to the Anthropologist Facebook page after you listen to this episode of Your Program is Your Ticket and share what intrigued or surprised you, and you just may win two free tickets to the July 26th one-night-only performance here at The Crane in New York City. As, for, as far as I am concerned, you can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket at Facebook.com, Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm on Twitter at, at @programticket. The website is YourProgramIsYourTicket.com. How convenient is that? Uh, quick thanks to North Coast NYC, the hip-hop improv theater ensemble that does my intro and outro music. You might be hearing them right now. If not, you will very soon. Uh, your program is your ticket. is on iTunes and SoundCloud. Rate me and write me a review. Subscribe. That all helps with my profile. I really appreciate it. Folks, take a little time to see a show this week, and don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There's lots of theater gems
3: out there. Until our next show, good night theater people, and program.